quick disclaimer. I am not an expert. The inspiration and information enclosed are from personal experience and enthusiasm, and not meant to provide step-by-step instruction. Local building codes should always be consulted prior to starting work, and all plumbing, electrical, structural, or otherwise permit-worthy alterations to your home should be done by a licensed professional. With that said, on to the pod. Welcome to the Just Try DIY Podcast, a frequently infrequent podcast about finding things in your house you don't like the look of, then driving yourself crazy as you try to make it better. This is JT, and in this inaugural episode, we're going to discuss paint. Now, before you switch off for fear of listening to paint dry, it's the opening topic of this podcast for the simple reason that it is one of the first and easiest things to do when you move into a house or are just looking for a change. Paint is a cheap and quick way to turn a space from flat white builder's minimum to a showcase of style. Adding personality to a space via color can be traced back to cave paintings. Today, with a quick trip to your local hardware or big box store, you'll find a plethora of options from a number of brands usually from a low to mid to high grade. start with painting basics. First, obviously, decide what you want to paint. Do you want every room in your house to be a continuation of color, with every vertical surface the same tone? Or do you want your house to be a microcosm of hues? Before you get carried away deciding you're going to paint every room in your house, map out your end goal. It is perfectly natural to want to paint every room, especially when you've just moved, or you've been living with less than desirable colors for a little too long. But unless you've got less furniture and knickknacks than a mid-century minimalist, you're going to have to find a place to put all those things while you're painting. You may also tell yourself, I don't need to move everything out, I'll just move everything to the middle. I'm just painting the walls. Wrong. You need space to work, and more importantly, paint has a funny way of finding its way onto things you didn't intend. Unless you're a professional, and if you are, thank you for listening to some guy rambling about paint, all that paint isn't going on the walls. Deciding which rooms to paint and in what order is important. With modern paints, it's pretty easy to knock out a bedroom or even a living room in two days. But if you've got intricate areas like stairs or weird pass-throughs to work around, expect it to take longer than you think. Now that you've chosen a room or two if you're ambitious, it's time to figure out how much paint you need. This is as simple or as complex depending on your comfort with high school geometry as measuring the length, width, and height of the room. Add the length and width together, multiply by two, then multiply by the height. This will give you the wall square footage. So if you're painting a 10 by 12 bedroom with standard eight foot ceilings, it would be 10 plus 12, 22, then times two, 44, and multiplied by eight, 352 square feet of wall space. Now what about windows and doors? Ignore them. When you're buying paint, the can will have an estimated coverage area, and if you're right at it, you'll know you're safe with one can of paint. With the advent of McMansions and the continuous conveyor belt of builders' homes, the idea of a standard home is grossly skewed. According to U.S. Census data, the average home square footage is almost 2,700 square feet. However, the approach this show will take is based on a standard home between 1,500 and 2,000 square feet. This is typical of a three-bed, two-bath home with a reasonable kitchen and or living room spaces. For this standard model home, a bedroom is going to take about a gallon of paint with a larger space like a dining room or living room using a gallon and a half to two gallons. These are rough estimates. Rely on your measurements. Now you are ready to go get your paint, but not quite. When you get to the store, you will be met by a large display with thousands of colors. Decide your colors before you go. 
you probably already have an idea of what general colors you want, and having them pre-selected will save you the existential dread of standing in the paint aisle trying to decide between grays that are imperceptibly different, and it's only after you start rolling it on the wall you realize you should have picked dry fish meat over embalmed gray. If you can't quite decide on a color family, venture to the store first and find the paint catalogs. Many paint manufacturers will produce guides that help the more indecisive or design challenged know what looks well together and what colors are currently trendy. These are in no way definitive, but they give you an idea of what goes together and how it might look. The recommendation would be to take these guides home and compare them to your furnishings and accoutrement, but if you really find something that works for you, trust your instinct. With your colors selected, Find the swatch that it corresponds to amongst the display, as well as the swatches on either side if your selected color is first or last in the swatch. The color swatch will typically give a spread of similar colors, so you can find if you like a lighter or darker color. Your final color selection is what you'll take to the mixing counter. The color you select may be from a specific brand, but it does not mean that you have to buy that brand to get that color. All the colors are just a set of numbers the paint department employee will type into a computer for the right dye amounts to be added to the base paint. Unless you already have a brand of paint you like, if you do, bravo for making it this far, your next decision is choosing which paint to actually get. This is what was mentioned earlier about low, mid, and high grade paints. If you're like most people, mid grade is probably what you'll end up with. The low grade is acceptable if you're about to sell or it's a rental property. If you really can tell the difference between a mid grade and a high grade paint, then go ahead and shell out the dough for the high grade, otherwise mid grade is going to suit most people. If you're picking up brushes, rollers, or anything else while you're at the store, it's a good idea to get the paint mixing started first, then do the rest of your shopping, as it will take some time to get your paint ready. Before we get to those other supplies, there's one last paint-related item to get, primer. There are a bunch of different primers available, and some do things differently than others. I'm not paid to mention any specific brand or product, but will tell you when I use something and it works. For primer, I use the Zinsser 123 Primer Sealer. It does the job and it's mold and mildew resistant. You can get it in quart, gallon, or five gallon sizes. If you have the place to store it and the strength, or availability of someone else's strength to handle it, get the five gallon. It seems like a lot, but if you're planning on painting more than one bedroom or bathroom, you'll use more than a gallon, and as long as you remember to seal it back up, it will last for a good long while. It is worth mentioning, sealing paint is not the same as regular paint. On the upside, it's probably unlikely you'll need to paint the ceiling when you do the walls, but wall white and ceiling white are not the same. With all the paint out of the way, we now get to tools. For painting, this typically means brushes, rollers, tape, and the accessories associated with those items. There are a multitude of options. We'll start with tape. You're going to need it. Even if you've done a bunch of painting and you've got confidence, tape is still key. The pros don't use tape because they paint every day. But when you paint a couple to a few times a year, it's cheap insurance to not make a mess on your trim, floor, and other places paint should not be. Scotch Blue Painter's Tape is a favorite for a reason. Again, I'm not paid to say anything. Scotch Blue just works. Store brands will work well enough, but it's worth the extra buck or two to get Scotch Blue. They also make an applicator that makes it easy to run along whatever you're taping and get a good line. Tape comes in a variety of widths, and if you're taping trim windows and doors, the standard size of inch width works well. The wider inch and three quarters tape will also come in handy if you're masking a large area with paper or you want to stabilize plastic drop cloths. Smooth transition. Drop cloths come in a few different flavors. Old sheets are pretty common for DIYers since they're typically on hand and can cover a reasonably sized work area. These are best doubled up as if you spill a lot or are a messy painter, large globs of paint can easily soak through a single layer. Option two would be a canvas drop cloth. 
These are relatively inexpensive and can be purchased from a variety of places. Next would be plastic sheets. These are typically used as vapor barriers, so are a good width and can be cut to size. The disposability can be a plus and a detractor, but if you don't tear them, they are easily reusable. Plastic sheets can be prone to sliding around, so as mentioned previously, using tape to keep them in place is handy. Finally, if you're really into it, you can use a hardboard or plywood to cover the floor. This will ensure any spills are stopped. With tape and drop cloths out of the way, next are brushes and rollers. Which one you choose will also determine what accessories you will need. Unless you are a brushing savant, a roller is going to be your weapon of choice. These cover large areas quickly and efficiently. An extension handle that screws onto the end can also help with getting close to the ceiling. Rollers require a tray to be able to get the paint on the roller. Use liners in the tray. These keep the mess and amount of cleanup low. Plan for a liner for each layer and room. For example, if you're going to paint two rooms in two different colors, you'll need one liner for primer, then a liner for each room. Three liners total. A roller will get you most of the way, but up next to the ceiling, along corners, and close to trim, you have the choice between an edger or a brush. The edger does as the name implies with similar application results as a roller. This is typically the easiest option, however you will still probably have some touch-up with a brush. For the touch-ups, or if you don't use an edger, an inch and a half or two inch brush will cover as much area as you will need. Worcester paint brushes are simply the best and can be purchased from most stores as well as large online retailers. You can use the roller tray for doing both the edger and the paintbrush work, but if you're planning on doing a lot of brush work, a handheld paint receptacle can be a helpful option. This can be as simple as a disposable plastic cup, or there are manufactured options with liner accessories. Same liner math applies as the tray liners. If this seems excessive to you, or if you just need to paint a couple of small areas, just pop the lid off and paint out of the pail. As far as actual tools go, a 5-in-1 scraper or similar, and a paint opener, which is like a flathead screwdriver, are what you need. The scraper will have a half-moon edge that makes cleaning rollers easier. It is also used for scraping chip paint, among other things. The paint opener is rather gimmicky, but when a specialized tool is this cheap, you might as well get it. There are also drill-mounted paint stirrers. If you're using 5-gallon buckets of paint, this is a critical tool, as it is nearly impossible to mix that much paint without one. Final accessories for consideration are paper towels or shop rags for cleanup. If you get paint somewhere it shouldn't, it can easily be wiped up within the first minute or so. Obviously, the quicker you can wipe it up, the better. You should also consult the label on the paint can, as it will typically have cleanup instructions. Now that you have all your painting accessories, remember to go get your mixed paint from the paint counter. You are ready to start painting. Move everything out of the room. For very large furniture like pianos or large sectionals, it's okay to move them to the center of the room, but make sure to cover them completely. You can also lay out your drop cloths. Take everything off the walls and remove the nails. A roller has a hard time rolling over nails. Remove outlet and switch covers or anything else on the walls like thermostats and alarm keypads. Using dish soap, water, and a sponge, wash the walls to remove any dust so you have a clean painting surface. Sponge mops work well for this task as well, especially if you have high ceilings. Less reaching and ladder climbing than if you're just using a sponge. Next comes taping. If you're using the applicator mentioned earlier, run it along the trim you're covering and then run your finger after it to make sure the tape is stuck down. If you aren't using the applicator, run out the tape to match the distance you want to cover. For long distances, you can break it into multiple strips. Tack down one side of the strip, then pull it taut and tack down the other side. If you get these as close to the edge as possible, the rest of the tape should lay out straight, and you'll just have to press it down along the strip to get good adhesion. This also assumes your walls are straight, so it may take some fudging in the middle to get right to the edge. Once taping is complete, you're actually finally ready to start painting. If you like plastic gloves, use them. It's easier on your hands. 
Open the paint with either the tool or a flathead screwdriver. If it has been a few days since you got the paint from the store, make sure to mix it with the paint stirrer provided. If the store stiffed you and you didn't get a paint stirrer, a window shim or other thin wood strip is a good substitute. Stir until the paint looks well mixed and even in consistency and color. If you're pouring from a can into another vessel like a roller tray, have a paper towel or rag ready and grab a flat cardboard box from any online retailer and lay it under the paint can in a new container. This way any drips will land on the cardboard. Pour slowly. When the paint can is full or mostly full, it will come out very fast. Try also to only pour out the amount you think you'll need. This is to limit the amount of paint waste later on. It will take practice, but you can estimate based on how much you need to paint and how much area the paint will cover. The coverage takes into account multiple coats, so no need to multiply anything out. After pouring, wipe off any drips on the can or the new container. Start painting. There are two different methods. Paint the edges, then paint the areas. Or paint the areas and then paint the edges. For the former option, painting the edges first shows what areas need painted that weren't covered by painting the edges. If you're confident in using the roller, start with the areas first. Get as close to the edges as you can, but remember, high risk, high reward. Getting too close can result in having to clean up a lot of mistakes. Paint a coat of primer, followed by at least two coats of your paint. Paint will look different after it dries, so refer to the paint directions for how long it takes. It will also depend on how thickly you layer each coat. For larger rooms, you can typically paint around the room and be ready for the second coat by the time you're back at the starting wall. Once you're done painting, it's time to clean up. If you need to spread your painting out over a series of days, plastic wrap can come in handy. Wrapping your paint trays, brushes, and rollers keeps the paint from drying as fast and means you don't have to wash everything multiple times if you're using the same color over a few days. But once you are completely done painting, wash out your brushes and trays. If you're using latex paints, hot water will clean brushes and rollers out. For oil-based paints, such as exterior paints, use mineral spirits, then hot water. Use a disposable plastic cup for the mineral spirits. Dry out brushes with a paper towel or rag after cleaning, then hang to dry overnight. In the next day or so, move the dried bristles to keep them soft. If you have a lot of excess paint in the tray, dump it back into the can. Let the tray dry before disposing of the liner. Once the paint and cleanup are finished, remove the tape before the paint dries too much. This keeps crisp lines, and once the paint dries, pulling the tape off can also pull off the fresh paint. Give it a day to completely dry, then reverse the steps of wall hangings, outlet covers, and furniture to put everything back. You did it! You've painted a room or rooms, and now these rooms are what you wanted. Or maybe not. Sometimes the color doesn't work out. Change can be hard sometimes. If you think painting is a necessary evil, now is not the time to paint again. Put everything back and live with the new color for a month or six, and if you still don't like it after all that time, paint it again. You've shown you can do it, so doing it again will be easier. I hope you've enjoyed this first soiree into the Just Try DIY ecosystem. If you've made it this far, you've liked the information in this podcast, or were at least entertained. Give it a rating and share it with a friend. Also follow the pod on Instagram for episode updates at Just Try DIY Podcast. Thanks to the show's producer, Abigail Tace. I've been and will continue to be JT. Remember, just try it. The worst that can happen is you'll learn something.